Welcome to Foundation Church's weekly message. We hope you are equipped by this message from Pastor Tom Lively. For more information about our church, please visit foundationchurchfl.com. I didn't want to start off, it's still morning, right? Yeah, 1048. I did want to start off this morning by just talking about the building for a moment. And I just want everybody to know that all around you is destruction. You're like, no, that's negative. Well, it's not negative. I just, I want you to know where we're at. Now, my wife is always prodding me to do Facebook Live and, vid, you know, social media video, not necessarily Facebook Live, but social media videos, you know, walk around the building and show you what's being done. Well, you need to pray. I mean, here's the thing. We're going to win and the building will be rebuilt and we'll get all the money that we need. That's for sure. But what I want is it for, for it to be expeditious. I want it to be quick and fast. You know, what can happen is, why do, why do I start off with such a negative statement? That everything around you is destroyed. Well, because it is. That's the truth. Now, what can happen, though, is because we've made a pocket of functionality that everybody can get. I mean, do you really think that these are the carpets that we want? I mean, do you really think that this is our decor? Do you think that we're going for a, an industrial concrete look on the floor? We are not. What you need to be praying for is that the insurance company does what it's supposed to do. Because don't, if you were to walk, I probably ought to do a tour, but there'd be too many people, really. But you go around the building here, I mean, everything was, 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 it wasn't flooded because we weren't like underwater because the water came through the roof and basically ruined all the walls. And I have, Bill Fancook is the one who's rebuilding the church and he's, gave, he's created us a pocket of functionality. But I want you to understand, now when you see outside, you know, weeds and trash piles, that's the reality. We're gutting everything outside too. Everything's being, we're, we're in negotiations with the landscaper. Everything you see is going to be different. Probably by the summer. Gone, gone, redone, replanted. Everything will be done. But I don't want you to be like, well, here's my pocket. I walk through the door. Listen, we, have, we really have no nursery. Bill Fanko created us a nursery out of what we have that we, that we could create, a pocket of that functionality. But you need to understand where we're at. Why am I saying this? Am I trying to elicit funds? Absolutely not. We're owed money, but we need, a, we need a breakthrough. We need a breakthrough with the insurance company. They will pay. It's going to happen. We had a private adjuster come through here. I mean, we, it's, it's done. It's going to happen. So, I mean, it, it's the same thing that's going on with my house right now. My house has, according to the private adjuster, $240,000 worth of damage to it. And you're like, Tom, what the heck? That's just the way it is. I should have steered the storm away. You heard me preach. Did it before, should have done it this time. So there's 240,000, what, what did the insurance company offer me? 11,000. My kitchen is gone. That alone is 60,000. It's gone, I'm talking about all the walls have to be stripped. I'm talking about ceilings and walls are gone. Flooded with water. So there's just a struggle and you're dealing with liars. You're dealing with the world and people who are money grubbers and want to hold on to everything that we have. So be praying. 
that we break through because we are going to find out there first. Now, they've already given us 500,000. We spent all that. We spent all that. What you may not realize is that before you actually walk into the sanctuary, this is being even dried out to this day. There are machines in here. Some of you are, are, are frozen all the time when you come in here, you're freezing. That's because we have machines in here freezing it on purpose. They draw out every last ounce of water right before you get here. So I just want you to understand the condition of the church so you're not walking around going, man, this place could be progressing a little bit. Couldn't they pick up the trash? FEMA didn't show up. We have a, we have a basically a contract or a, what do you call it? Like a, a ticket for FEMA. They didn't show up. Biden's economy cost us 8000 to to haul that away, which eventually I'll do if I have to. Because I'm not going to rely too much on the, on the Biden administration. But anyway, I just want you to know that when you see things around here, I'm not making excuses. I'm letting you know that we have right now we have to wait or we have to spend our own money. That's a risky proposition because we have other things that we need to spend the money on. If we don't, if we spend it all on building, then we don't have it for anything else. You see what I'm saying? So, I mean, be praying for that breakthrough and don't be overly critical about the things that you see because everything is being done, but it's a slow roll right now until they release the show me the money. And that's where we're at. I just wanted everybody to know that. Now here's a COVID update for you, and this is, a brief, this is brief. Maybe. You know what they all did last night? We have special guests with us and in the podcast room last night, and they all basically were casting lots. See, I have, I have these slides that I make for the podcast that keeps it in order. I give them to Aaron. Aaron puts them on the show. Wilth runs them through the show. And they, there's how many, how many that I'll go through. I usually come now. I used to come with about 130. And I get through less than 40. So now I've cut it down and I do 60 something. Last night I got through, what was it 27? So I did 27 last night and they were all betting each other before the show how many slides that I would go through. My son won, he's like 27. I gave Will, I believe 63 last night, so I got through 27. And a lot of times it depends on when do I get to COVID? Because when I get to COVID, we're going to camp. <laughs> and some of you, you might be new. You may, you, you're walking in here. You're barely hanging on right now. Why don't you just wait? What will it hurt? Nobody even knows. Nobody knows whether you're happy or sad or offended right now. Nobody knows. So just wait and see if what I tell you is the truth. Just wait, because really what does it matter? There's a new term that's come out called harm formation. Of course, it's coming from the left side of the aisle. And what it is, is the truth that's actually put out in a harmful way. How could anything that's true be harmful? Because in essence, it's reality, so it's neither harmful or unharmful. It's just what's true, right? So if it's true, it really doesn't matter about the presentation. 
If it's true, it doesn't matter about the stands that you made or didn't make. It, it doesn't matter about, you know, the portrait that you, a lot of Christians are, are portraying of themselves now is, you know, just hard against COVID and everything else. And they're closed for nine months. Never have said that they're wrong. None, none, the truth doesn't change any of those things. It's just what's true. So why ever, why be bothered by what's true when we all stand before God? Nothing impure will ever enter it. Doesn't matter whether you think it's pure or not. Doesn't matter whether you think it's sin or not. Nothing impure, Revelation 21, 27. Nothing, nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful. But only those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. The name's either in there or it's not. The name's, the name's either in there or it's blotted out. Sorry, Calvinist, Revelation 3, 5. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life. Well, I've never heard that verse before. I know. People are destroyed for? That's right. People don't realize how hardcore the Bible is. It's either true or it's not. Here's a piece of truth. Here's the COVID truth. Right now, I put, out, put this on the podcast last night. I want to take a 52-year period. 52-year period. 1970 to 2022, all the way through. I got that right, 52 years? Just in case I don't look like an idiot, like last week I kept saying I'm doing my fast from 12A to 12P. <laughs> over and over and over again. So I had 12 hours stuck in my head. It was the only thing that was flowed through my mind was 12 hours without food, 12 hours without food. <laughs> It's hard, by the way. I never realized how much I nibble. How much I graze. <laughs> I'm, an, I'm an intermittent faster anyway. I go 17, 18, well, really probably 19 hours per day without eating. That's what I do all the time. Otherwise, I'd be a Jerry Springer episode or a 600-pound life episode. But when I get close to my meal, which is usually around four o'clock in the afternoon, I start to graze. That's nice grazing. It's fun to graze. You know what's gone? Grazing. That hurts. Because you know what's funny is that your carnality plays tricks on you. Because when you know you can't eat, you get really hungry. <laughs> Like right now, it's 10, 15, it's, it's 11, basically 11. So I got seven hours to go. Normally, I'm not hungry at all right now. At all, seriously, never. Ever, I'm never hungry right now. People always offer me stuff right after, right after church. Hey, Tom, you want some of this, you want some of that? I'm like, no, I really won't eat until I get home. It just doesn't kick in. But now that I know that I can't, I'm freaking starving right now. I'm wondering how I'm going to make it through. I'm going to have to start drinking water, take away the hunger pains. And this is what I always do, but because I'm on a fast, that's what's happening. So 52 years, let's take that segment of time. 1970 to 2022. From 1970 to 2020, 50 years, 1,300 athletes dropped dead on the field from cardiac arrest. 1,300. From 2020 to 2022, which is really just 2021 and 2022. Not including 2020, remember? So let me, let me rephrase that. From 2021 
to 2022, the final two years, 1,700 athletes have dropped dead on the field from cardiac arrest. And Christians think speaking about COVID is politics. You're a coward. If you're watching right now and that's you, I'm pointing at you. Tom, that goes against the YMCA principles. Participation trophies. You're a coward. You just don't want to offend the people in your church that will leave because they were heavily mitigated over the last 33 months of 15 days to flatten the curve. 1,700 athletes in two years compared to 1,300 in 50 years. The new normal that they all espouse, that they all love together alone, alone together, that they all love, what's happened now is that months have been transposed with years. What used to happen in a year is happening in a month. What used to happen in a month is happening in a day. And I'm talking about only athlete deaths. Not the insurance company reports that are coming out that I've already shared with you and that you've heard probably numerous times on the podcast. 40% increase in excess death in one year from 25 to 64. And all other age, well, that's just that one age bracket, Tom. Oh, it's only a 40% increase. We've now been assimilated into horse pill swallowing galactic statistics. What, what's, what, how high has the murder rate gone up in the last two years in our country? 25%. In some areas, 40%. And we're just, well, you know, that's just the way. It, and a lot of times, almost like what I, what I spoke about with the building, we're insulated. We have, we have Ron DeSantis, so we don't see it. But you should have seen but what's going on in other states? And here's the thing. I had, a, I had some goofball last night talking to, talking to Aaron during the podcast. And Aaron likes to, likes to poke the bear in the middle of the podcast and get, get me going. Some guys on there going, you know, you need, don't need to be, what did Jesus say about mixing uh, politics with the pulpit? Nothing. What, what, what day of the week did Jesus tell you to meet? What day of the week did the first church meet? meet? No. Nobody knows. Everyone answers the question. Show me the Bible verse. What day of the week did the book of Acts church meet? Nobody knows. And then people set their theologies on things that don't even exist in the Bible. I'm not even to the message yet. Don't eat. That's, what, that's why everyone ended up donning a mask. This is compassion. How, what Bible verse is that? Well, you know, you have to use wisdom. That's not a Bible verse either. So you're basing your non-Bible verses on non-Bible verses. And you call yourself a Christian, and Jesus is the Bible. Well, that's awfully radical stand to just do, go against, you know, the tide of what everybody else is doing. Uh... Narrow is the way. Few find it. You, you might want to be different than everybody else around you. And now all the statistics are showing that we were right. They can run, but they cannot hide. 
Even the mainstream media I've prayed over will have to report of the Holocaust that is happening. Never before in the history of the NFL has a player dropped on the field like that. The last one was 1973. I don't even, I started watching the NFL somewhere in the 70s. I've never seen it. And now, lo and behold, this just happens in the middle of a game, and nobody even talks about it? That brings back my, my hippopotamus theology. Most people in their own lives have a giant feces-covered hippopotamus in their home. You're like, that kind of reminds me of my husband. And nobody talks about it. They smell it. You have to get out of the way of it. I mean, think about a hippo walking. I got that from a, a, a video on YouTube with the people who just raised a hippo and he lives in the house. He's potty trained, goes outside, flings the poop around with his tail, comes back inside. They live with them. You got to get out of the way. And everyone just, they just live with it. Nobody will talk about it. The stats are through the roof. And what does Joe and Jill say on New Year's Eve? Everybody go get a vax. When there's death and there's lies, that's the devil. That's the epitome of the devil. John chapter 8, verses 44 and 45. Murderer from the beginning and the father of lies. You know, like, well, I don't really like to approach it that way. The truth is the truth. Maybe that's why nobody has been saved in your house. Maybe that's why nobody gets saved around you. Nobody knows the truth. Well, you know, we don't want to run people off. We want to keep them coming. Keep them coming for what? If you're never going to tell them, how will they ever know? How then can they call upon the one they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? How can they hear without someone preaching to them? How beautiful, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. It's good news. The truth is good news. That's Romans 10, 14, and 15, by the way, in case you're wondering. The truth is it. It doesn't matter whether it offends you or not. A lot of times what they'll do is attack the messenger, just like, just like Jesus preached to Jerusalem. Jerusalem, oh Jerusalem, you've crucified all your prophets, killed all your prophets. Did one prophet lie to them? No, they killed them for what? The tail end of John 8, 44 and 45 says, yet because I tell you the truth, you don't believe me. Think about the dichotomy of that sentence. The truth causes you not to believe. The truth is the truth. What I just told you is that you can't, you can't deny the statistical data of athlete deaths. You know what, I, I care about people. Believe it or not, I care about Nancy Pelosi. You should too. You're only, a, listen, is, you think there's any difference between a hardcore Trump sinner and Nancy Pelosi in the eyes of God? No, going to this exact same hell. They got their MAGA gear on, going to this exact same hell. Oh, this is one of those weak churches where everybody's good. Oh yeah, you just wait. 
No, I'm just telling you what's true. Most Republicans are going to die and go to hell. Most Democrats are going to die and go to hell. Narrow is the way and few find it. It's not the answer. The answer is the word of God. The answer is revival. The answer is the Holy Spirit of the living God. That's the answer. You can vote whoever you want. It's just like we had a myriad of people stream out of here when I started laying hands on people. They like the hardcore stuff. They like maybe the, the politics mixed in with the message. Although for me, none of it's politics. Proliferation of vaccine passports, can't buy, sell, trade, or travel, certainly is not politics to me. They loved all that. Well, you know, it just makes us a little uncomfortable when people are fall out in the spirit. You don't read your Bible. How did Paul launch his ministry? On his back? Kicking against the goads? So God just throttled him instead. There you go. You, you just spend time on the ground. It'll humble you. Because you're a Pharisee among Pharisees. I'm going to humble you. So you're going to go on your back for a while. Be good for some of you. Well, we don't do that, you know. What, who told you that? People stream out. Do you not read the Bible? Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of hands. And you leave because people are laying on of hands. You sound like you're mad. I'm not mad at all. Seriously. I look at basically, I look at all this the same, really. I look at whether it's the left side of the country politically. I'm like, what are you thinking? Same thing with Christians. Same thing, same thing with people who call themselves Americans who don't, don't believe in the Constitution. I look at Christians who don't believe in the Bible. Everything is filtered through your own mind's eye, through your own feelings. It should be Bible, that's it. You should always compare oddities to I don't know when I'm going to get to the message. I have no idea. I'm 15 minutes in. I haven't even started the message. I'm going to have to go really long today. I'm just kidding. I watch the clock. It's right there. It's right there in front of my face. We should always compare oddities. What is this odd? Have you ever read the Bible? Where Jesus <clears throat> decides to spit on a man's eyes, Mark 8, 23. Interpreted by some, of course, it, goes, it, it all depends on the, whether you're reading it in Matthew or whether you're reading it in Mark. Spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him. <clears throat> That'd be interesting inside the church. <laughs> it's really that odd to lay hands on people in comparison to the Bible? Jesus makes mud pies out of his own saliva, sticks them on a man's eye? That's odd to you? The uh, donkey talking and correcting the prophet? Well, you know, that's just symbolism. You're, listen, you're an apostate. You believe that that's symbolism. You're of the Antichrist. Like, man, this is a mean church. No, it's just Bible. That's it. It's not mean. It's not sweet or mean. It's just the Word of God. Period. Period. And, and outside of the Word of God, it's just pure statistical data. Did that, in the first 50 years, 70 to 2022, in the first 50 years, did 1,369 athletes drop dead? Drop dead? Yes. Irrefutable. Indisputable. In the last two years, did 1,700 drop dead? 1,698 to be exact. Did that happen in 2021 and 2022? Yeah, and what's the difference between the first 50 years and the last two years? 
Only one thing. And that's an mRNA vaccination. And all of it was used, and the church needs to know. And I'm going to finish with this as far as the COVID update. This lasted 20 minutes. That I said was going to be brief. That's why I only got through 27 slides out of 63. <laughs> all of this stuff, you, want, you believe that it's politics? Did we ever have anywhere since you've been alive where you could not buy, sell, trade, or travel without a certificate? then why isn't the worldwide church repenting? Instead of looking for another opportunity to conform to the pattern of the world. It's not politics. Now I wanna, I wanna do something this morning. We're gonna launch right where we were last week. And this is a hard right-hand turn, but I gotta make the turn. I'll end up talking what I, the way that I was talking for the rest of the service. But I've gotta teach you something today outside of just rant about vaccines. <clears throat> We ended last week talking about knowing the voice of God. And this is how I'll make the turn. We can know all the facts. We can know them all and won't do anything. Statistical data, it will change an occasional person. Dave Rubin got changed on national TV by Larry Elder. It was just statistical data. Anybody remember that? They were talking about uh, police shootings of, of, of African-Americans. And Larry Elder just did what? Presented statistical data to him. And Dave Rubin was just confounded. And Dave Rubin changed on the spot. That does occasionally happen. But most people, when they're just presented with statistical data, they'll still defend their own lies, knowing that they're defending lies. Because they believe there's a greater good, that if I just hold on to my lies long enough, that those lies will turn into good things. If you have to lie for your agenda, then it's not a good agenda, period. No, no, you know what? The ends justify the means. It's gonna be great. We just have to lie long enough. No, lies never become true. Bad never becomes good. It's either a lie, and whatever you plant into the ground is coming up, then you will live and abide in lies for forever. I'm just going to lie, lie, and lie, and then eventually my marriage will turn around. No, you're destroying your marriage by lying. Well, she doesn't know. It doesn't matter. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever man sows, that shall he also reap. God is not mocked. He's not fooled. He's the one. He is the arbiter of reaping. Whatever you do, he'll give you right back. Think about that in, in 2023. New Year's resolutions, no, whatever you plant in the ground will come up. That's it. Period. That's it. That will come up. Well, I don't always know what the word has to say about a situation. Ever plagued anybody else but me? I don't know what the word has to say. You know what the word does? The word tells you what to do when you don't know what the word says. It's right where we left off last week. I told you we're going to start right here. The word tells you what to do when you don't know what the word says. Psalm 46.10. Be still and know that I am God. Be still. You know what Christians never do? The title of this message series is, We Do and Preach the Opposite. Christians are never still. I was actually talking about this on the car ride home last night. 
from the podcast. We are, we, do you realize that we're not supposed to be digitized 24-7? And how easily our lives have been taken over by these devices? How many of you were woken up today by this device? I was. Look how, look at, look how it's been integrated into our life. It's talking about the, the ease of doing a youth group in the early 2000s. What'd you have to do to get a great youth group then? Throw out some Xboxes, order some food, be a decent preacher, have a good youth team around you? Instant. I did it twice. Build a youth group of well over 100 kids, easily. First one was built on Xboxes. I just bought like five TVs and five Xboxes, put a tiny little church and put them out. And I, and, and I came in and I preached hellfire and brimstone. Period. Always. I never changed. It's always been the Bible. And it's full of kids. Full of kids. Couldn't do that now. Because back then, in order for you to see your friends, you actually had to go and see your friends. Now, my son plays video games with people in Norway. They're all connected. Whether, whether they live in this town or not, they're all connected. They don't need it. We're not, we're not designed, and, by, and part of the, the benefit of fasting is it gives your digestive system a break. You have to look at the Word of God. The Word of God talks about Sabbaths of rest. Sabbath wasn't just one day of the week. It was actually one year out of seven. Take a year off. Some of you are like, man, that'd be great. Yeah. It's what's supposed to happen. Why, why is everybody so burned out and depressed? Why is it that the richest country on the planet leads the world in anxiety and depression? And we just never give our body, we never give our mind a break. I used to, I've changed, literally have changed. I used to, everywhere I'd go, and I, I go, I'm a, I'm a mega walker and a mega bike rider. And everywhere I go, I'd have... Well, my various shows, whether it was Bongito and Steve Bannon, playing all the time when I'm walking. So I was 24-7 politics. It starts to affect you. We're not designed to be like this. We're told to be still. Nobody's still, though. You're not. We go get counsel. We listen to messages, all of which is good. But if you want to know the voice of God, not the voice of Tom. The voice of Tom's easy because I'm yelling. And the voice of Tom is very unimportant in comparison to the voice of the Holy Ghost. But you want to know his voice. Stop talking. And in the midst of people not even hearing the voice of God, they never even stop preaching. See how quiet it is in here. We think, we think too highly of ourselves. Romans chapter 12, 12, verse 3. That's the greatest struggle. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself in sober judgment in accordance to the measure of faith God has given you. In the midst of massive struggles, people whose marriages are a disaster, they give, give other people marital advice. All the time inside the church. I had a neighbor who tried to commit suicide, I literally don't know how many times. I went to her house twice. 
On suicide, well, one was the suicide call that I responded to in law enforcement, and one was the ambulance was there, and I was just walking by. She'd done it again. You know what her job was? Counselor. And we, we sit here and we go, oh, oh, man, that's horrible. But a lot of us aren't in different. We never shut up. It's like a fat person giving people di- dietary advice. Shut up! I don't mind that you're fat, honestly. I mind that you're giving people dietary advice when you're fat. But people don't, they never just be still and know. We don't even, we've never even given God a chance. Every time I want to quit, that's what God tells me. Every time, you've never even given me a chance. You've never done things my way. You're like, Tom, you're standing here in front of, I don't know, 700 people. If I was doing things God's God's way, we couldn't contain this place. If you were doing things God's way, God's way, we couldn't contain this place. We'd have to have five services now. If all of us, including me, were what we were called to be, we would be these power packs of of almost lightning. But we're never still enough to hear his voice. And if you can't hear his voice, you're not getting godly direction. So we just muddle through. What are my feelings telling me? If we're honest, how many of us are ruled by our feelings? I appreciate you, those of you that raised your hand. I'm 54 years old, and I've spent 54 years ruled by my feelings. Like, why am I being pastored by you? God made you. When God tells you to go, he'll tell you to go. You need to hear his voice. You've been red-pilled anyway. You're not going to survive anywhere else. You won't be able to take it. Trust me. Go to another church. I, I invite you. Go visit. Go down a 10-mile radius from now. Take a month and go to other churches. Unless you drive an hour and 15 minutes north of the river, you ain't finding nothing else. That's a bold proclamation. It's a true proclamation. You just walk in there. Well, you know, glory to God, hallelujah to everybody this morning. Turn to four neighbors and tell them they look good. We're going to inoculate you this morning. We're going to anesthetize you against the gospel, all the while telling you that we're preaching the gospel, and we're going to do it all in the name of Jesus. Get your gift in the back. So we need to be still and know his voice. What does that mean, sit in a silent room? Yeah. What did Jesus say in Matthew chapter 6, verse 6? When you pray, go into your room and shut the door. Then your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. But nobody goes into the room and shuts the door. Does that have to be exactly that way? No, I pray alone while I'm walking. Alone. Does that mean there's not times to have corporate prayer with my wife? Yeah, I should be doing that. I don't, but I should be doing it. We do spot prayers. But I pray alone. Alone with God. That's it. I don't, I don't have music playing all the time. Nothing wrong with music. 
But that's not what God, that's not what God, that's Jesus told you to do. Matthew chapter six, verse six. When you pray, go into your room and shut the door. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Be still. I don't know if I can pull that off. It's because you're carnal. Some of you believe that your carnality is an attribute. Don't you? It's fun, isn't it? What a great church. You're busy all the time. You're always getting things done. And you believe that you're better than the lazy. You're exactly the same in the eyes of God. You're never still. Your, your laziness is activity. But the American culture, the world, will tell you, man, he's a go-getter. And you're just living according to your own lordship. You're busy all the time. You need to be still and hear the voice of God. Well, I don't, I, I don't even know what that means. It's because you've never tried. Oh, I did try. You know, back in 2007, man, I gave it a week-long run. So you're 47. And you gave carnality 46 years and 51 weeks. In God, seven days. Sounds like the world, doesn't it? 15 days to flatten the curve. We're on, we're on month 33. What happens in the second part of that verse? We want to be world changers, right? Okay, I guess not. Okay, I'll, just, I'll make it this way. I want to be a world changer. I would like to see, I, I pray that the, this is what I pray over our church, that the lost would be found and that miracles would be performed. Do you want that or do you not? And that God would be glorified. You can't do it without knowing his voice. How are you going to glorify God without knowing his voice? Oh, well, I'm a solid Christian. Listen, we need to get out of the, for some of you, this will be very outdated, the Christian bookstore Bible fish Christianity. We walk around with our little Bible carrier and our cup of, you know, cafe latte. And you never want a soul. You just got, you just have the clothes on. You have the veneer of cultural Christianity. Who cares? What about everybody with tumors? What about everybody who can't walk? What about the sick? What about the infirmed? What about the vaccinated? We're going to let them all die? I'm not against the vaccinated. I'm against the vaccine. It's a very distinct but poignant difference. What are we going to do? Just stand here? No, I want to be a world changer. When we, we're going to pray this, well, be this afternoon by the time we do it. 12, 10, something like that. It's 11, 27. You can make it for another, what, 33, 43 minutes, can't you? You can make it. It's 43 minutes. Some of you, some of you have sat through insurance seminars. Surely you can take 43 minutes. What's the second part of the verse? Be still and know that I am God. Then, I put the then in there, I will be exalted among the heathen. 
by Christians being still and knowing that he is God, he'll be exalted amongst the unsaved. That's that shining city on a hill that Jesus alludes to in Matthew chapter 5. Just, just by hearing God's voice, the heathen will go, wow. Did that happen during COVID when all the Christians put their masks on? The world go, wow. No, they went, hey, they're just like us. That's great. We're all in it together. Together alone, alone together. It's not what you want. How are you a shining city on a hill when you're in the valley? And still calling yourself a shining city on a hill? Yeah, I know. It makes no sense. It's just like men calling themselves women and women calling themselves men. Watch for that common spirit that's in the world and in the church. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted, exalted in the earth. Just by Christians being still and knowing that he is God. What does that mean exactly? That I'm still and I go, okay, I know Yahweh. I know that he is God. Done. No, it's being still and knowing God. Knowing the direction of God. Knowing what he has for you specifically. A lot of you, listen, most of the church, including me, does not struggle with low self-esteem. And by the way, low self-esteem is simply pride. It's really all the same, but for ease of conversation, I'll delineate between the two. Most in the church struggle with thinking too highly of themselves. So they can never hear the voice of God because they're the Lord. And I'm talking about heaven-bound people. Heaven-bound people that will never take anybody with them. You know, I, evaluate yourself right now. How many people have been saved by you? Well, then it's not, it's not the Christian that saves, it's God. All right, knock off the holy garbage. How many people have you led to the Lord? Well, I'm not the pastor. Show me that Bible verse. That's the same as politics from the pulpit. It takes a village. Everything happens for a reason. All lies. I'm not the pastor. You're called to win souls. Be honest and evaluate yourself. Test yourself. Do you not know yourself? 2 Corinthians 13.5. Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourself. Do you not know yourself, Tom? Why are you so mean? I'm not mean. I want to win souls. I want to raise the dead. I want to give life to the sick. I'm not designed to do it alone. Greater works than these he will do is done by us. A multiplication of the works of God. The works of Jesus Christ. But you got to hear his voice. you got to know him. I gave you this example before. I'll probably use it again, even today. But ambient noise is the problem. I told you this. When I used to walk by the old church building, I told you I'm, a, I'm an habitual walker. It's actually part of my own carnality. It's like, hey, I just can't sit still. i got to walk, got to walk, got to walk. I like to be tired, you know. So I would go out the back door of the church, and I'd go walk. And I'd always be listening to a message. Well, most of the time at that time, especially, it was Andrew Womack. So I'd be listening to Andrew Womack. You know, he talks pretty quietly. He's not a screamer like me. So you put, I put it on, you know, have it on my phone and just actually in my hand. 
And I'd have to, when I left the building, and I'd have to put it right to my head like this. Because I couldn't hear because I was right next to the road. Volume was completely turned up. But one block away, I could hear it perfectly. Why? What changed? The volume? The volume change? God has a still small voice. He's not turning it up. He demands that you turn down the ambient noise. It's up to you. It's up to you. I can't make that happen for you. But he starts with examining yourself. Am I not winning the lost? Am I not giving sight to the blind? Am I not serving? Am I not giving? It starts with you. God will tell you if you will sit still. Be still. Turn off the ambient noise. You will hear his voice. Jeremiah 29, 11 and 12. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in the future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. Now everybody rejoices at that verse. What's the next verse? You shall seek me and find me when you shall search for me with all your heart. Everybody, hallelujah. I know the plans I have for you. Oh, he's going to prosper me. But no, you're never prospered though. Tom, you're just attacking. I'm not attacking. I want what's best for you. Well, I don't like your style. I still want what's best for you. I told you this before. When my son fell into the pool, what was best for him? He couldn't swim. What was best for him? For me to go, come on, Tommy. Try hard. I know you're down at the bottom of the pool right now. We've got about 10 seconds of life yet left, but you know what? Try real hard, son. No, my friend reached into the pool and grabbed him by his hair. Boom, and pulled him up out of the water. Painful, but effective. You're sitting at home and you're like, well, you know, my job is to, to raise my kids. That's not a calling. That's breathing. If you're a lousy parent, you're just not breathing. Well, quiet in here today. And people are like, oh, I just, I'm so much better than everybody else. Why are you comparing yourselves among yourselves? Those measuring themselves by themselves are not wise. I'm better than that. What does that matter? What does God have for you? You have to hear his voice. Does God speak audibly? Rarely. Rarely, because he wants us to walk by faith. What about a specific situation? A specific situation. Should I do this or should I do that? Last week I presented to you a three-week fast. Did you ask God? Should I do this three-week fast? Because according to Matthew chapter 17, verse 21, there's only certain things cannot be overcome without prayer and fasting. This kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. Did you ask God? Well, it's too late now. That's a lie. That's a lie from the devil. You see how clearly you hear the devil's voice? How clearly you hear the voice of your own carnality? Well, it's too late. Nothing's too late. Fast today. Start today. Start right now. Well, not Sunday. It's NFL day. No, that's a real offering to the Lord. <laughs> Get alone today. Shut the door and see what God, just ask him. Lord, should I fast? He'll talk to you. And the ambient noise is off. A lot of people keep the ambient noise on on purpose so they don't hear God. That's why people don't come to me for counsel. There's no ambient noise in my counsel. 
Hey, Tom, you know what? We're having marital troubles. Oh, are you? Okay. And you'll see this come out. My big black King James Bible. We, we're, we're thinking about getting a divorce because we've fallen out of love. Well, after I verbally ridicule you for that statement. <laughs> because that's the same as it takes a village. Everything happens for a reason. And don't mix politics in the pulpit. Same exact thing. We've fallen out of love. You know what that is? That is a steaming pile of feces. Not just a pile of feces. A steaming pile of feces. How many of you are from up north? Oh, wow. You saw it. How many of you have ever seen a steaming pile of feces? <laughs> I can't make myself laugh. Anything poop related, I start laughing. It's over. So they come to me for counsel. We want to get a divorce. Okay, well, let's turn to Matthew chapter 5. And let's turn to Matthew chapter 19. Look them up when you get home because Jesus quotes the same thing twice. You want a divorce? Okay, as long as there's adultery. Other than that, eh, I may start doing that in counseling. So we want a divorce. Eh, why do you want a divorce? Fall out of love. Eh, I just don't know what to do with it. <laughs> you start off with the premise of, we'll never get divorced. Never. That's how you start. It's like the fear of the Lord begins with wisdom. The fear of the Lord, uh, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Starts right there. You want a solid marriage? We will never divorce. Period. Ever. You start with, start with, start with the word of God. What do you do about a specific situation? Most of the time, the answer's right here. When it's not, things like, in the Word of God, it doesn't say, should I date Cheryl? Well, Cheryl. <laughs> so you're going to have to hear the voice of God about Cheryl. Specifically, will he tell you? Absolutely. When I was dating Hope, I knew I was supposed to marry her. It followed me around like a cloud. <laughs> and I, the thing that's weird about it is, I, it's not that it was something that bothered me. She was my closest friend. She's the one I wanted to hang around with all the time. But I, I was listening to the world. Like, you know what? You haven't really dated that many people. Women have suddenly become available. Go out there, see what's out there. Well, I just went and saw what was out there. It wasn't good. But I knew the whole time. And I would go to the Lord and pray. Lord, I really do love her. And, you know, and I, I, would, I make it sound negative, but I was always tracking her. To the point of a little stockish-ish. I followed her home one time in my police car just so I knew where she lived. <laughs> you know the reason why? It was not because I was afraid of her dating some other guy. I was afraid she'd move, and I wouldn't know. Yeah. If she started dating another guy, I would have just swooped in and begged her to take me back, which is what I did. 
That's how I ended up asking her to marry me. I, I broke up with Hope three times. On the third time, I knew my, my time was, my, the end was drawing nigh. <laughs> and there was a church play going on. It was a Christmas play. I mean, the whole full-blown Church of God church play. And uh, Hope and I went to Inglewood Church of God at the time. And she was part of the choir. And one of my best friends was the worship leader. His name is Brad. I had a lot of inroads in the church. I'm always, listen, I've always, I, I don't understand any of you guys who don't have any friends. You know how you get friends? Just be friendly. I've always got friends, and I'm mean. I mean, I'm mean as a rattlesnake, and I've got friends. I don't understand how any of you soft-hearted people don't have friends. Seriously, I'm not even a good friend, and I've got a lot of friends. I'm a wretched, horrible friend. Terrible, terrible friend. I never call anybody. I'm a loner. I'm a horrible friend. So anyway, I go up to the worship leader, and I go, hey, Brad, you got to get me in this play. <laughs> He's... <laughs> He's like, why? I mean, it's late. It's late in the game. All the music's already been done. Everybody's been cast. It's like a week out. So you got to get me in. He says, what do you, why do you want to be in the place? Because I got to get hope back. She's not speaking to me. She ignores me. She hates me. I got to get her back. <laughs> so I got to get in the place. So I'm around her all the time because there's endless rehearsals. It's quite the production. So I knew there'll be, I mean, I'm talking about rehearsals that everybody whines and gripes around here when we have like four rehearsals. This was everyday rehearsals for weeks. So I knew I'd be around her because she wasn't coming anywhere near me. She hated me. I don't know why, but. So I, I got in as a shepherd. <laughs> <laughs> so I would just start to stare at her like this and she tried not to laugh she tried not to smile look away and then they had the part where the angel of the Lord appears to the shepherds and they're all frightened so I would fall to the ground and I'd have this facial expression like I'd be looking right at her though and slowly but surely, my magic <laughs> began to take effect. <laughs> and I got her back. And even after I got her back, I started to, to hedge on getting married again. And she said to me, you know what? Basically, for lack of a better term, just poop or get off the pot. One of the two. But the entire time I was with her, I knew, because the voice of the Lord was telling me, you got to marry that girl. you got to marry her. And I'd be like, Lord, I go to him in prayer. Should I marry? And I remember, it was this exact same answer he gave me about starting this church. In 2004, I think we started the church. 2004, 2005, whatever it was. Exact, I prayed six months about whether to start this church. And on probably the sixth month, the Lord said to me, either start it or don't but don't ask me again. And when I asked him, should I marry Hope? Either marry her or don't, but don't ask me again. So I went to her dad and asked her to marry me. I went and asked her at River Road in 41. 
That revelation came to me. But I knew the whole time that's the voice of God. I'm familiar with that voice. Are you? Most, listen, you are the diamonds because you're able to withstand this place. You know what this place is? Status quo in the 90s. Status quo in the 80s. Everybody's softened up now. They're preaching people straight to hell in the name of heaven. Telling them they're saved when they're not. You are, listen, I love you people. And I love you that are watching right now because you are the toughest of the tough. Because I give you the word of God and you go, give me more. Thank you. May I have another? But you can know his voice. Do you know it? It, Nobody knew it. My point with you that you guys are the diamonds, the city on a hill, is because most Christians didn't know the voice of God. Starting in 2020, be more specific, March of 2020, be more specific, the second week of March 2020, the start of 15 days to flatten the curve, all the Christians said, okay. Now what what would you have for us, what would you have for us to do next, sir? Fauci, Burks. They don't know the voice of God. For me, I'm like, it wasn't even the voice of God. It was the smell of God. I could smell this thing. I'm like, you know what? This, God is telling me, this thing stinks. But most Christians didn't know. The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. They're foolishness to him. 1 Corinthians 2.14, written to the church at Corinth who cannot hear the voice of God. It's not gonna happen overnight. You're gonna have to melt away your carnality. You may have to break up with your girlfriend. Man, this is hardcore. Yeah, God's hardcore. You ever read the Bible? Hardcore. Nailed him to a cross. All the disciples killed except for John. It's hardcore. The Spirit almost rejoices in Revelation chapter 14, 12 and 13. When, he talk, when, when, when the voice comes from heaven and says to John, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works follow them. So serious stuff, not, well, you know, it's veggie tales and uh, Bible man and, you know, let's all gather around for our Bible study. You'll be the first to take the mark of the beast. Because you don't understand how hardcore this is. You gotta listen, God is a real person. He has a real voice. But most of us, our Christian culture is the ambient noise that's blocking it. Our own pride's the ambient noise that's blocking it. Our own lack of effort. Will you today carve out time? You shouldn't even have to carve out time. I'm speaking, I'm actually, I'm actually profaning my own message. Will you prioritize God and say, you know what? I'm giving you a big chunk of my day. It's not even my days. You fashion the days for me. He does it all. Should I move? Should I invest? Should I date this person? Should I take this job? Should I open a church? God will tell you specifically. Ask, ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. But in order, you know what, here's the thing. Nobody seeks. People will ask, 
but they don't seek. Seeking, well, in order to seek, wait a minute, Tom. If I seek, that's going to take away from my screen time. And some of you are like, well, that's not me. I don't do screens. Whatever your thing is, unless you're moving mountains, you got no room to talk. I'm looking just as much at myself. Here I go, look at myself. As I am at you. Like, Tom, you, you, you pastor a pretty sizable church, nowhere near what I'm supposed to be doing. I don't operate in the power that I'm supposed to be operating in. It's changing. But, see, I'll tra- I mean, I'm transparent. I'm not going to sit here and act like I'm a finished product. I had a long way to go to. And if I would have sought God instead of wasting most of the last 30 years of my life, but Tom, you were heaven- I was heaven bound the entire time. I love Jesus. I turned from my sin. I just have, I chose the ambient noise. I'd rather watch TV. I'd rather hang out with my friends. I'd rather worry. I'd rather be fearful. I'd rather be all caught up with my, uh, this, um, this doesn't apply to me, but this applies to a lot of other people. I'd rather just be caught up in my bipolarness. Endlessly praying over my bipolarness. Deliver me from my bipolarness. Why don't you repent of your bipolarness? Knock it off. You want to stop struggling? Deep, ready? This is deep. You want to stop struggling? You know how you stop struggling? Stop struggling. You know what I do now when my mind's playing? I just started this. You know what, you know what I do? I just praise the Lord. Oh, that's what everybody says. You've never tried it. I'm not talking about trying it for a day. You get up, you know, and you're just negative. And I say, Lord, I thank you. Man, I thank you for what you've done for me. I thank you for what I have. I thank you for what you've brought me from. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. I praise you. I did it this morning. I have a really hard life. I got up, got my swim trunks on, grabbed my dog, tough life, went out to the hot tub, and I started praising God. I had my Bible cards out there, flipping through my Bible cards, memorizing scripture, and praising God. Oh, you're a very holy person. No, that's just breathing. It's just breathing. You're either getting better or you're getting worse. You never stay the same. Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find. Should I do this? Should I not? Every, every day when you, get up, when you get up on a Sunday morning, you're like, you know what? I know I'm preaching to the choir right now. There wasn't nobody here last week. You get up and you go, you know, should I go or should I not? Ask God. Well, I got a lot of things going right now. You know, this is happening, that's happening. Really, you can't, you're not going to give God three hours? Don't you know that God sets a table before you in the presence of your enemies? <laughs> Israel is able to accomplish in six years or six days more than the world can accomplish in full seven, working 24-7. And you can't just say, you know what, I'm taking a step back. I'm going to go fellowship. Prayer, Bible study, worship, fellowship. If you're not doing those, you're finished. You won't survive. You certainly will not flourish. How, well, how will I know the answer? When I ask God, how will I know the answer? John 10, 27 says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Well, Lord, I don't hear your voice. It's because you don't give him any time. You don't actually seek him. It sounds religious, sounds monkish. That's because the whole church has gotten so anti-works 
that they never work to discover the grace. What's the grace? Everything you will ever need. Everyone thinks of grace as forgiveness of sin. That's only one part of grace. It's the biggest part, but it's only one part. You have to work to discover the grace. Prayer, Bible study, worship, fellowship, seeking God. Otherwise, you'll just be rolling the dice. How's that working for you? Put it all on black. Yeah, take the time. And you will hear his voice. My sheep hear my voice. Well, I've never really heard it. You never, be honest with yourself. Put yourself under righteous judgment. Do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment, John 7, 24. Judge yourself, examine yourself, and ask, do I ever get alone with God? Well, what will my wife think? Who cares what she thinks? She's my wife. That's your excuse to not do anything again. You know what I marvel at? Can't stay on, I just can't stay on a message right now. What I marvel at at Foundation Church over the years, and I'm sure it's the same in other churches, I'll have to ask Pastor Jonathan or Pastor Rodney, is how many men are run by their wives. Isn't that the opposite of the Bible? Then why are you run by your wife? You are to love her like Christ loved the church. But she shouldn't be in charge of you. You should be setting the spiritual tone in your house. Well, that's just not my personality. Well, make it your personality. Not a per- There's no personality taste- well, test in the Bible. Well, I'm sanguine. I'm melancholy. I, I marvel at it. You know, most couples that have left this church, it's the wife that leaves and the, fo- the husband follows them out. And they end up in a hell on earth. Because here's the thing. If you leave where God wants you to be, you will be miserable. Even if you go to a better church, you find a better church. If you move to Pittsburgh right now and attend revival today, but God has called you here, you're going to be miserable. There's nobody on the planet I love more than Jonathan Shuttlesworth. I'm just telling you that's the truth. But most men, their wife leads them out of the church. It's never the other way around, ever statistically speaking, that I've ever seen. Is that hearing the voice of God? Well, if I don't go, then there's gonna be hell to pay at the house. Pay the hell. John chapter 10, verse three. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. You've got to have a relationship with God like that. The only way. There's no definitive way to tell you to do it except to expose yourself to him. This isn't, yeah, but Tom, this isn't sexy. This isn't exciting. This isn't conference material. You just wait till you get in the presence of God. See, we always, because, because we have to turn off the ambient noise and be anti-carnal, it's hard for us. So we choose, instead of doing what's hard, I'm gonna listen to a message on my phone. It's easy. It's what I do when I'm riding the elliptical at the house. I'm riding my elliptical, I listen to a message. Great, great. That's all that I'm gonna do? No prayer? No Bible? It just turns into another TV station. Because it's easy. 
You're like, Tom, this isn't doing anything for me. It's good. It's probably the path then. If it's not exciting you right now, we're all a bunch of media, digital cocaine addicts. Excite me, excite me, excite me, excite me. You want true romance? I mean, you ever realize, I mean, at the end of the day, I've wasted a lot of days. I'm an expert at wasting time. I, I am the gold medal standard of wasting time. And every day that I waste, I feel like an icky mess at the end of the day. Like all day long, it seems great. I'm like, yeah, it's great. I'm just, you know, I'm just taking the day off. You know, I'm not going to do anything. I didn't do anything today. And at the end of the day, I feel like a giant steaming pile of feces. It's not what you're designed for. It's just, it's just it, the most miserable people in the world are the ones who are seeking excitement. They're the addicts. They're miserable. I mean, some of the, like the videos you watch of people jump out of this and jump out of that, they're all miserable people. There's adrenaline addicts. Something to excite me. Well, you know what true excitement is? Being in the presence of the Holy Spirit. Get in his presence. Hear his voice. Allow him to communicate with you. And I'm going to, I'm not, listen, I will never blow smoke up your skirt or shorts or long pants. Whatever's applicable at this moment. I'm not telling you that any of this will be easy. Don't offer God something that costs you nothing. Shut it all down. Go into your room and shut the door. Well, I don't know how to hear his voice. Again, be still. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. Hebrews chapter 3, 6 through 8. Look at this. But Christ is a son over his own house. Whose house are we if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end? Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith, today if ye will hear his voice. How many of us even think like this? Rejoicing firm unto the end. A hope that is, that is unquenchable. How? If you can hear his voice. And there's no way to preach this any better because I can't make God's voice happen for you. Only you can do it. We're supposed to hear his voice. How many of us can honestly say that we are directed by the voice of God? And yes, the voice starts with his word. The, the Holy Spirit only says that which he's already heard. So if it trumps the word of God, then it's not him. Harden not yourself, verse, verse eight. Harden not your hearts as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness. All of these things are temptation that harden your heart. Choose them today instead. Let me, let me uh, this is great because I'll, I'll finish here and we'll start right here next week. Like I did this week, it's working out well. God knows what he's doing. Guess I'm just gonna have to trust that. We are preached the opposite of the correct answer to this question. I'm going to ask you this. Can God be stopped? 
God answer out loud. Can God be stopped? Are you sure? Can God be stopped? <laughs> the answer is sort of. Depends on how you look at it. This is where we'll finish. It's 12 o'clock right now. We'll be done at 12.10. Everybody good? I'm going to lay out the groundwork for this, and then we'll launch from here next week. Psalm 78, 41. Yea, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. Can God be stopped? Can he be stopped? No one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit, with it, fit for the kingdom of heaven. Can God be stopped? Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Verse before. Not as though I've already attained. Either were, either and in any way made perfect. But I follow after, if that I, may, if that I may apprehend, that for which I am also apprehended of Christ Jesus. Not as though I had already attained. Either were already perfect. But I follow after, if that I may apprehend, that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Can, can, can God be stopped? We do, there's a major problem inside the church, and it's called conflation. That's what we're going to talk about next week. But can God be stopped? Psalm 78, 41. Like, yea, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. Can God be stopped? Who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth? 1 Timothy 2.4. Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Narrow is the way and few find it, right? But he just said, who desires all men to be saved. But narrow is the way and few find it. Matthew 7.13 and 14. So what is true? Can God be stopped? He desires all men to be saved, but few are. Can God be stopped? And the answer is yes, he can. When it's not all relying on him. When it's all God, he cannot be stopped. But when he's in partnership, he can be stopped for the person. And the conflation inside the word of God, inside of the body of Christ is... We are conflating rejection with acceptance. When God is rejected, we are actually attributing those attributes of rejection to the will of God. We reject the word of God, whether it's healing, prosperity, blessings of God, whatever it may be, and then the repercussions of that rejection are conflated with the will of God. Well, that's just the will of God. No, no, no. Those are the attributes. Those are the reapings of rejection. Can God be stopped? God never fails, they say. God is always working on your behalf. That's not true. It's not true. We've gone over this. Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. That's in accordance to Romans 8, 27. The Spirit of God who is praying the will of God over your life. He's not always working for good if you're doing the opposite of what the Holy Spirit's telling you to do. That's why you need to hear his voice. 
The plans he has for you can be stopped. He can't be stopped. I'll put it to him even more simplistic, in a more simplistic way. God's offer cannot be stopped. The acceptance of it can. Can't it ever stop the offer, but we're conflating it inside the church. God can never be stopped. No, his offer can't be stopped. Your acceptance can be stopped by rejection. But what we're saying is, since we conflate it, God's offer can never be stopped, and we conflate that with our rejection. See, God can never be stopped, so all the bad things that are happening in my life are of God, because God cannot be stopped. His will has to take place. Now that you've rejected God, that's why those things are happening. What's solely on God cannot be stopped. What requires your cooperation can be stopped. Who put that in place? You know, that's why really he can't be stopped. Because he put that in place too. You're like, this is deep. It is deep. It's deep. It's deep. That's why, that's, listen, that's why his thoughts and his ways are above ours. His offer can't be stopped because it's solely on God. I call that the construct. This is where I'm finishing, right here. The offer cannot be stopped because it's solely God. The application and the reception can be stopped. It's up to you. I want to be healed. Only you can stop that healing. You're already healed. The offer is there. He did all things. By his stripes you were healed. You're already healed. Well, it hasn't happened yet. It's because you're stopping it. How dare you say that? I dare. Because that's what the Bible says. I am compelled by the word of God. And people, what they'll do is the conflation. Well, you know, God has put that on me so that I'm humble. No, 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 you're conflating the unstoppable offer with the very stoppable rejection. You're conflating the two. God, every, listen, everything is meant for you to be, be a mountaintop, victory unto victory. No, God can never be stopped. So the bad has to be of God. No, no, no. The bad is due to rejection of God. And conflated with that God can never be stopped. Two very different things. Finishing right here. All that is done exclusively by God cannot be stopped. I call it the construct. What is the construct? Very simply in three, well, basically six words, the offer, the construct, the infrastructure. I'll lay it out and then we're done. Colossians chapter one, 15 and 16. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. That construct cannot be stopped by you and I. Your healing can be stopped because you have to cooperate. And when it does, or prosperity, I just, can't, I just can't get on top of things financially. That's being stopped by you. But, it, but people will credit that to God because his offer can't be stopped, but his acceptance can be. The birth of Jesus could not be stopped. The life and ministry of Jesus cannot be stopped. His stripes and his wounds cannot be stopped. But is everybody healed? Is everybody saved? 
So do we say when people aren't saved, that's of God? Why is it that inside of the church, everybody's so hypocritical? Why, why is it inside the church that when something doesn't like when we, when we get saved, we say to God, you know what, I'm coming to you, and I am saved through the blood of the Lamb. I'm saved. And I had to have that to be saved. Isaiah 53, 5. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. We come to him, and we say, you know what, I have to accept the, forget, accept the blood of Jesus for the forgiveness of sins, but when I'm not healed, it's his will. When I'm not prospered, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. We come to him with the very basics of sin forgiveness and say, you know what? I have to receive that. But everything else that happens that's bad is God not being stopped. It's exactly the opposite. It's God being stopped. Understand the difference between the construct, the offer, the infrastructure, and its applicability. If you want things to change in 2023, you have to apply the word of God. You're going to have to rise up. Here it is, I'm done. You're going to have to rise up against your feelings. Don't conflate them with the Holy Ghost if they're anti-Scripture. You are well. No, Tom, I'm in a wheelchair right now. Stop lying. What do you mean, Tom? Everything is a lie. I'm not saying that the, it's a lie that the person's in a wheelchair. It's a lie in comparison to God. Let God be true and every man a liar. I'm broke. Stop lying. And worst of all, don't blame God. Don't conflate your rejection with an unstoppable God. God can't be stopped, you know. So he wants me to be broke, infirmed, miserable, depressed, bipolar. That's just the will of God. No, that's your rejection of the will of God. Don't conflate the will of God with your rejection of the will of God. If you're going to reject it, just reject it. I wish most Christians would do that. Say out loud, I don't believe the Bible. Just say it out loud. Get it done. I'll start a, what would it be? BNA. Uh, no, B, BDA, Bible Deniers Anonymous. I just want to start off the meeting today. I'm Tom, worship team, make your way. I'm Tom, and I don't believe the Bible, but call myself a Christian. Welcome, Tom. Next up. Don't conflate your rejection of the Bible with the Bible. That's one of the major problems inside of the church is that conflation. What does conflation mean? Saying something is something that it's not. It is not God's plan for you to have any low times ever. One of the only low times that God calls for us to have out of James chapter four, verse nine, lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. We need to repent. We need to just say, you know what, I'm done. I've come to my end, I repent. Maybe at that moment, but the rest of it from that time on, you're going up, period. Amen? Amen.
Praise you, Lord. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you need to get right with God this morning, now is your time, and then we're gonna pray. I'm asking people, if I could order you, I would, but I'll be honest with you, I'm not gonna tackle you to the ground if you don't do it. I'm asking you not to get up and leave. Again, ask God. God, do you want me to get up and leave right now? Ask him. Before you get up and leave for whatever reason, it's 12-12 right now. McDonald's will be open at 12-20 when we leave this building. He will, they will be open. Every head bowed and every eye closed and every Christian praying over the lost or the backslidden. If that's you and you know right now, church attendance is not gonna save you. Because you're here, or even, even because you wear the label of Christian doesn't mean that you're saved. How do you know that you're saved? doesn't matter what you feel. How do you know that you're saved? There's days where I feel saved. There's days where I don't. It doesn't matter. How do I know whether I'm saved or not? I came to God for the forgiveness of my sins through the blood of Jesus, and I turned from my sin. That's it. That's how I know that I'm saved. Very, very, very simple. If they have escaped the corruption of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and are again entangled in and overcome, they are worse off at the end than they were at the beginning. It would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than to have known it and then to turn their backs on the sacred command that was passed on to them. Of them, the Proverbs are true. A dog returns to its vomit and a sow that is washed returns to its wallowing in the mud. It is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come if they fall away to renew them again to repentance since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put them to an open shame. The verses that I just read to you are for the backslidden Christian. 2 Peter 2, 20 through 22. Hebrews chapter 6, 4 through 6. It's a dangerous place to be if you're a believer and you are living in, you're living in sin. I didn't say you struggle with sin. You're living in sin. It's a dangerous place to be. You might be a man. You've got it all under control, except you can't get rid of the pornography. It's a hell-bound condition. There's a big difference between struggling with sin and acquiescing to sin. You just said, you know what? I'm gonna have this area of my life that's a hell-bound state if it's sin. So I'm speaking to those who have never been saved and for those that have fallen away. Now is your time. Now is your moment. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to take you to a back room. I'm not going to bring you, even bring you forward. We may change this in the future. I don't know. But today, I'm not going to bring you forward. I'm not going to do anything. All I'm going to ask you to do is pray where you're at and raise your hand where you're at. And we're all going to pray together anyway. Nobody's going to know. This is between me, you, and God. If you need to get your life right this morning, whether you've never been saved or you've fallen away, right where you are at, stretch your hand up in the air. I got you. I'm looking to my right. I got you. Got your middle right. Got your middle left. Got your left. See, somewhere in the neighborhood of 30 people just raised their hands. Now, those of you that raised your hands, we're going to pray this prayer. The entire church is going to pray it out loud with you. You pray it. You mean it. And every sin 
is put on the shoulders of the Lamb of God. Every sin is put under the blood of Jesus Christ. As far as the east is from the west, so far will he remove your transgressions from you. Right now, he'll do it. Simply pray this prayer. The entire church, pray this with me. Start off with these two words. Lord Jesus, I receive you now as my Lord and as my Savior. I ask you to forgive me for all of my sins. And I now turn from them. And I give you my life from this day on in Jesus' mighty name. And the church shouts. Now look at me now. 1217. This will be fast. How many of you, look at me now. Don't get all, listen. I'm gonna be hard on you for just a minute because I've been so easy on you for the entire service. We started at 10.05. So we've been in church for two hours and 12 minutes. That's nothing. We'll be out of here long before the two and a half hour mark. We'll be out of here before the two hour and 20 minute mark. But here's the thing, look at me. Do you need deliverance? Let's play real quietly for just a second. Do you need deliverance? Do you need healing? Do you need to be set free? How do we do it? We get hands on you. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. You are righteous in Christ. I am righteous in Christ. And then you have Matthew chapter 18, verse 20. If two or more gather together in my name, I'm there in the midst of them. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Matthew 18, 19. If two or more agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. I believe you and I are two or more, correct? Not to mention everybody else who's going to be praying because they're not going to leave. This is the fastest altar call in the American church. And listen, don't let pride go before your destruction. Do you need healing or don't you? Well, I prayed before. It didn't work. You know what you do? It's called supplication. Be careful for, no, for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. You do it again. You keep coming. You keep standing in faith. If that's you this morning, don't worry about anything else. Don't, well, my wife's gonna know, my whatever. It doesn't matter. Do you need to be set free? Do you need to be healed? Do you need to be delivered? Do you need God's supply in some area of your life? Whatever it is, come on up and receive it. And here's the thing. When I lay hands on you, it is a point of contact. That you and I are in agreement. That this thing is done. That this thing is accomplished. If it's lack, it's now supplied. If it's sickness, you are now healed. If it's infirmity, you are now healed. If it's depression, you now have a sound mind. Whatever it is, the moment that I lay hands on you, the power of the Holy Ghost comes upon you and you are delivered and set free. Amen? If you need that this afternoon now, again, we'll be done in just a few minutes. Stream up to the front right now and let's get hands on you before you leave today. Thank you for listening to Foundation Church's weekly message. We hope that you have been encouraged and empowered. If you would like to partner with us, please visit foundationchurchfl.com and click on Give.